Corinthians chapter 6. God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance and troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, impurity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. And it's now time for City Club and Wadless, if there are any. Um, to make their way through that door and Glenn will come and preach to us. Well, if you've got that passage from 2 Corinthians open, that would be great. Let me pray for us um, as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, thank you for the words that we've just heard and we pray, Lord, for... We thank you for them. We thank you that they are your words and we pray that you would help us to understand them and not just to listen to what you're saying, but may it shape, your word shape our lives. Help us to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've got good news for you this afternoon. He's back. Indiana Jones is back. And he is in our cinemas from this weekend. And here we are. And if you don't know who Indiana Jones is, um, he is professor of archaeology and I know that may sound boring, but Indiana Jones is not boring. If you know anything about him, you know that he loves ad action and adventures. And in his latest film, um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, he is in a race against time to find a legendary dial that can change the course 
of history. Like, how exciting is that? I've spent this week watching trailers of this film. And in one of his earlier films, can we have, yes, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Uh, you may have seen this one. Indiana Jones is looking for the Holy Grail, a cup of life. And whoever drinks from this cup will have eternal life. And there's a scene towards the end of that film where Indiana Jones enters into a room and there's a long table in front of him and there are lots of different cups on this table. And one of them is the Holy Grail. And a man in the room says to him, you must choose wisely. And Indiana Jones is just about to choose when his enemy comes in with a gun um, and he then chooses first. And he picks out this large cup that's, that's gold and has got some jewels on it and he says it's beautiful and he drinks from it and he dies. It's quite a scary death which is why I can't show you the clip this afternoon. Um, but he drinks and it kills him and so Indiana Jones looks at all the cups again and then he points at one and he says that's the cup of a carpenter and it's a small plain, ordinary cup, and he drinks from it, and he lives. And the adventure continues. Now, what has that all got to do with us this afternoon? Well, the Apostle Paul and Indiana Jones don't have a lot in common, except perhaps various adventures. But I think Paul would have agreed with Indiana Jones's choice of cup. And some people in the church in Corinth would have disagreed with him. Because Corinth was this successful, um, wealthy, kind of brash city. And some within the church wanted the church to be just like the city around them. They were attracted to the glitzy. They wanted to project the right image to be successful. And there were leaders in the church who were like that. And they wanted the whole church to be like that. And so, as a result, they rejected Paul. He wasn't a great speaker. He suffered a lot. He was poor and unimpressive. He wasn't the style of leader that they wanted. And so that made the relationship between Paul and the church very difficult. And Paul made a painful visit to them. And he wrote in the previous chapters to this letter how his hardships didn't disqualify him as an apostle. Instead, they demonstrated that he is the real thing. If my message is eternal life through a carpenter who died and who rose again, then my ministry will be like his, says Paul. And so in verses 3 to 10 of our passage, he commends his ministry to the Corinthians. And then in verses 11 to 13, he appeals to them and he says, I've opened wide my heart to you. Please open wide your hearts to me. And that matters because it's a matter of life and death. If they reject him, then they've received God's grace in vain. But if they embrace Paul and his message and his ministry, then they are embracing Jesus Christ himself. And that's the same for us this afternoon here at City. Like if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian here today, here's what real Christianity looks like. 
what following Jesus involves, what it offers to you. And if you are a Christian, well, these verses will help you as you serve God, making sense of some of the experiences that you have had, challenging all of us to live commendable lives for Jesus. So there are three marks of such a life. And the first one is perseverance. Look there at verse 4. As servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way in great endurance. Paul kept going. And he certainly had plenty of challenges, and he mentions three sets of them here in these verses. There were the general troubles that afflict all of us. Troubles, hardships, distresses. We know about those. There are crises in life. We're under pressure, perhaps at work or at school. Crises to do with our health or our finances or our futures. Difficult relationships. And all of that causes us to stress, anxiety, worry, fear, stress. But Paul goes further and he speaks of what he's had to go through as a Christian. So verse 5, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots. Paul was whipped five times. He was beaten with rods three times. He was stoned once. Experts reckon that Paul saw the inside of seven different prisons. He was caught up in eight riots. And there are the hardships that he imposed on himself. There they are. Hard work. Sharing the gospel. Teaching believers. Making tents. Sleepless nights. In prayer or at work. Hunger. From fasting. Or just having no food. Now some of the Corinthians wanted leaders who they could have a selfie with, not one with scars, who their friends would be attracted to rather than turned away because they had a prison record, who would generate some attention on social media, not look haggard all the time. But Paul says, it's not the absence of suffering that commands me. It's my endurance through suffering. Now, Paul's hardships are extreme, and I'm guessing they're unlikely to be our experience. Well, there'll be different ones for us. But he's realistic about life and about life as a Christian. Like, we wouldn't blame him if Paul had wanted an easier life, but he didn't. He stuck at it, and he calls us as individuals and as a church to follow him. What's God calling you to endure at the moment? Maybe it's a trial and the stress that goes with that. Maybe your faith is under pressure and you feel exposed or vulnerable and it hurts. Maybe you're tired and weary, juggling work, 
and friendships and ministry. Perhaps you're leading that small group or walking that road with a particular person. Keep going. Persevere. There are times for all of us when we know that living for Jesus is going to involve suffering and effort and pain. And we, we hold back. We shy away from making that kind of commitment, perhaps out of fear, how it might affect us, what it will cost us. Paul says to us today, lean in, persevere. So first mark, persevere. Secondly, power, power. You see, Paul's been through a lot, but, it has, but he's not some kind of hard man who could kind of tough it out, who's insensitive to what's going on around him or to others. Now, Paul says here he acted with integrity. So verse 6, in purity, he's been sincere with them. His understanding or his knowledge of God has shaped his life and his ministry He's tried to live out God's character with patience and kindness. Now, how has he been able to respond like that? Well, the power didn't come from Paul. He didn't look for the hero inside himself. Verse 6, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God. Day by day, the Holy Spirit empowered him to persevere. The Holy Spirit transformed him so he could respond with kindness and with patience. And in sincere love, genuine devotion to God and others, and with truthful speech. Paul was honest in what he said. He proclaimed the gospel all in the power of God. Can anyone remember our church motto verse for this year. Yes. Great. Can we have it up on the screen? There we are. But thank you. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And the Corinthians wanted to be this kind of powerful church with powerful leaders. And Paul says to them, I am powerful, but it's all God's power, not my power. And my weakness is what displays his power perfectly. And for us, Paul's hardships can seem so extreme and his lifestyle can seem so far away from our lives. And we think, I could never be like that. Like, how did he develop that kind of character? Like, I look at my own life, purity. Really? Please don't look at my internet browser history. Or kindness, if you really knew how I treated people, especially those close to me. Or weapons of righteousness. To be honest, my fight against sin or for the Lord is pretty lackluster. And what Paul has written here, these qualities challenge us. We should confess our feelings to God and ask for his forgiveness. But that same Holy Spirit, that same power of God that was in Paul is also in each one of us. 
and he gives us the energy that we need, and he transforms us from the inside out, his power is made perfect in our weaknesses. And so today, will we rely on him? Third mark. Perseverance, power, paradox. Now what does that mean? Well, a paradox is a statement that seems to contradict itself, but is actually true. And you can see some of them here in these verses. Uh, look down there at verse 10. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. Paul says he's got seven of them. Yet, 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 yet. And he's making all these different contrasts, these paradoxes. And it's as if Paul's opponents and the world look at Paul and look at us, the church, and they say, is that all you've got? You are full, Paul, you are full of hot air. Like we look at you and all we can see are a bunch of sad, poor nobodies. And you're declining in numbers and so we'll not be able to see you one day anyway. And look at us instead. We have all the political power. The media turns out our message. It's our values that are taught in your schools. It's our celebrities that are on TV. We're the opinion makers. We're the ones with financial clout. We're living the good life. And Paul says, I hear all that. But we're living, living by a different set of values and standards. All that glitters is not gold. We're part of God's new creation. His treasure is within us, and we're not trading that for anything else. The world says, you're an imposter. You deceive people with your message, and yet we're genuine, true, not leading people astray, but bringing people to the right path. You're unknown, St. Ebb's Church, who were, never heard of them. And yet, we're known by God, the one person in the world who knows you better than you know yourself and who loves you deeply. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. All knew what it was like to be exposed to death. He knew that one day, like all of us, he would die. And yet he knew that death, horrible though it is, is not the end of the story, not the end of our lives as Christians, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that his resurrection life would keep Paul, will keep all of us and take him, take us to be with him. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Paul was sad. We cry. Our hearts are broken. We lament for ourselves and for our world. And yet we also rejoice in our salvation, in our God who's turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. Poor, yet making many rich. Paul, where's your lovely house 
Where's your social media following? Where's your impressive CV and promotions? You're a failure, not a success. Paul says, I'm dealing in a different currency. I make others rich, serving them, paying the price so that they find treasure in Christ. That's what's really valuable. Paul, you have nothing and you are nothing. Ah, but you're looking in the wrong place according to what your eyes can see. But I'm not empty-handed. We have a home and a father and a family and an inheritance and riches and glory and a crown and reward and a new creation is waiting for him and for us too. I have eternal life now. So why would I settle for things that will devalue and rot and perish of things that have value and significance for only a short time? No, we have Christ and we have everything and he's enough. Do we believe Paul? Do we appreciate all we have as Christians? Or are there things of this world that we want or we're afraid we might lose or miss out on? Having these things, says Paul, this treasure gives us a freedom and a confidence for each day. We can be vulnerable. We can move out of our comfort zones. We don't have to play it safe. We can speak of Christ. We can resist that sin. We can stay loyal to the truth. We can love sacrificially. But what have we got to lose? We possess everything. In that film, Indiana Jones took the small, plain, ordinary cup because that's the cup of a carpenter. And Paul says, this is the commendable life because it was Jesus' life. He persevered. His power came from God. On the cross, he looked like he had nothing, but today he possesses everything. And if he has done that for us, then we can go out from here and live this week commendable lives for him. But let's do that. Let's take a moment to think over about what we've heard. Perhaps you want to pray to God about some of the things that have been mentioned here in Paul's list, these characteristics of his life. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, these words of Paul are very challenging. He went through an awful lot. It was a long time ago. And yet, thankfully, Lord, that the same Holy Spirit that was in him, he is also in us. That he enables us to persevere, 
he transforms us. And thank you that these things that Paul mentions are true of us too. That in Christ we possess everything. So please, Lord, help us to open up our hearts to embrace what Paul says, the life that is ours in the Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, this week to live commendable lives for you, for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen.